Mahahel. All right. So last week, if you remember, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. We talked about that. What was the primary lesson we learned in Cain and Abel? Not just be kind to your brother, but as the text of Genesis is flowing, what is going on? What is increasing? The population. <laughs> well, yeah, the population is increasing, but... Sin is increasing. Sin is increasing. The curse is spreading. Uh, the creation's cursed and everything is spreading. What we're going to see today is, again, the continuation of the spread of that, the seed of the serpent spreading the curse. Of course, the curse is all over all creation, but you're going to see the sin become more and more prevalent until finally we're going to get to Genesis 6 and God's going to say, that's enough. We, we, and that's where we're going to start talking about Noah and the flood. Um, in, this, uh, in this particular text, starting in verse 17 of chapter 4 and going all the way through the end, all the way through the end of 5, we're going to be looking at the lines of Cain and the lines of Seth. Uh, Seth is going to be the replacement for Abel. The rest of chapter 4 from 17 on is the line of Cain. And it's going to show us what the line of Cain was doing and we're going to make application as to what that means and all those things. And all of chapter 5 is the line of Seth, which is now the replacement line for Abel, the, the godly line. Now, let me say this one thing before we move on into the text. Um, this doesn't mean necessarily that everybody who's born from Cain is evil and everybody who's born from Seth is God's chosen what the what Moses is pointing out as he's writing this is the characteristics of the seed of the serpent, which is the line of Cain, is rebellion and independence from God. The characteristics of the the uh, seed of the woman, the line through which the seed of the woman would come, is faith and dependence upon God, and we're going to see that played out here. So it's not like. Some guys standing around going, well, dang, I was born from Cain, so I don't have no... It's not like that at all. Uh, this is the line through which God is going to bring through bring the Messiah, the line of Seth. But it is uh, a line that demonstrates the characteristic of these people over here is faith and trust in God. Uh, the characteristic of these people over here is rebellion and independence. And we're going to see that as we, as we move through. Okay? Um, in verse 17, remember, what's the last thing that happened? Cain was driven out of the garden, right? Mm -hmm. What was the punishment God put upon Cain? He would be a vagabond. He'd be a nomad. He'd be a wanderer. He would no longer, the ground would no longer supply him. He would have to wander over and over to, to uh, find life, to provide for himself. Um, and so... He's cast out, of course, that God put a mark on him that would protect him from others that uh, sought to kill him. And uh, we're going to see in verse 17 that the very first thing that Cain does is defy God's judgment. I mean, the first thing he does is an act of rebellion. Uh, it, verse 17, it says, well, let's read 16. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. We said that Nod is possible. Uh, it's not certain, but it's possible. Nod means wanderer. It's a, a derivative of the word used for uh, vagabond there in the text. Uh, so he dwelt in the land of wandering. It's possible. Uh, 
on the east of Eden. It says, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. First question everybody always asks. I think we answered it pretty sufficiently last week, but what is it? Where to get his woman? Where to find his wife? Anybody want to hazard the answer we talked about last week? Huh? Well, not necessarily, but yeah, somebody married their sister. Uh, Remember, remember, uh, Adam and Eve. We're going to see in chapter five. Adam and Eve had many sons and daughters. Abel, Cain, and Seth were not their only sons. And also, remember, it's going to say that Adam and Eve in chapter five, verse. I don't know, three or six, something like that, right in there. It says that Adam and Eve were 130 years old when they had Seth. When they had Seth. And so uh, Adam lived a total of 930 years, 960 years. Uh, how many, you can, have, you can have a lot of kids in 930 years, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in 100 years, how many kids can you have? If you're still bearing kids at 130, how many kids can you have? I mean, just, just in a regular lifespan that we have today, I mean, there's people in, especially especially 50 years ago, Laba has 16 kids, you know, just in the span of 20 years. You know, can you imagine having 16 kids every 20 years for 190 years? <laughs> okay. Well, look, by the time you got, by the time you got 70, your first batch is having kids. Right? By the time you got 130, your grandkids' grandkids is having kids. So it's possible that Cain married his sister. It's possible Cain married his great-great-great-niece. It's possible that married a cousin from... You know, the time frames are so long that uh, this is... You know, it, it's, but getting back to the very beginning, somebody married their sister. Okay? It's, it's in a, inevitable. And that's the only way that you could repopulate. If all started from Adam and Eve... The only way you're going to populate the earth is somebody's going to marry their sister, right? Now, we get the, the, the question always comes up. This is not where I want to be, so I'm just giving you information. Um, question always comes up. What about, like, the gene thing? You know, like, today, if you marry your sister and you have a kid, it'd be like, you know, it, it'd be, like, genetically, genetically messed up. But it was pure, pure then. Right. Adam and Eve were perfect. There were no... The, the reason... And I'm not a scientist, so please, I'm probably going to mess up some terms or whatever. The reason why you can't marry your sister, the reason why, of course, it's immoral because God is law says so in, in Leviticus later on. But the reason why you don't marry somebody in your immediate family is because we all have mutations in our genes. We all have things that have corrupted and all that. And our family members have the same mutations because of their DNA similar and so when you marry in your family it it jacks up whatever that deal is right well Adam and Eve had no they were perfect no mutations whatsoever so the gene pool was pure it was not it was not messed up in the way that it is because of the fall and so that's why it was it was okay for them you know that's why you could populate the earth by by marrying within the family does that make sense Okay. Well, right now, you're all thinking about like your brother or your sister. You're thinking like, ooh, you know. That's cool. But anyway, how else? The one thing you can't say. Uh, we can talk about theories. Really, Moses doesn't. All he said was, and Cain knew his wife. You know, Cain got his wife, and they went. You know, uh, Cain. It says 
Cain knew his wife and they conceived. So he didn't really give us any information. So we got all kind of theories. We got all kind of speculations. We know some things. The one thing that you can't say is that Cain left the, the uh, area around Eden and traveled to a place where there were other people that God had created and we don't know anything about them. You can't say that because Romans 5 says that the curse, death, all that came from one man, Adam. All of creation came from one man, Adam. And so there weren't you know, other people that weren't under the effects of the curse or, or anything like that. We all come under the headship of that one Adam. So the point that I'm making with all this is that the first thing Cain does is he builds a city. Now, I'm presuming that he dwells in the city. What did God tell him he would do? What was God's judgment upon him? He would be a wanderer. He would be a wanderer, a vagabond. He would be a fugitive. He would be someone who, and the first thing Cain does is he defies that. He goes out and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a city. And I'm going to, not only am I going to build a city, but I'm going to name it after my own son. You know, it's, now we, it's, it's almost like he's defying God, showing man's independence. Uh, Psalm 49.11 talks about the wickedness of man, that he names his lands after himself. Uh, and so he, he is, it's almost like he's lifting up humanity's independence, saying, no, nah, I don't need you. I don't need anything. He goes and builds a city. We're going to see this continue in his line as we continue to read uh, uh, chapter 4. So he builds a city. Um, he's blessed by God, really, because life is continuing. The mark evidently worked. Nobody kills him. He's able to have a son. He's able to reproduce into his own image. But he builds a city, uh, and he names it after his son, uh, Enoch. Uh, and, e and unto Enoch was born Ired, and Ired beget Mahujael, and Mahujael bet Methusael, and Methusael beget Lamech. Okay, so we see the line of Cain moving. We see the generations of Cain going forward. Now, we stop here momentarily just to show that already we have God's command for Cain, God's judgment on Cain defied. He didn't become a wanderer. He built a city. And presume, I'm presuming that he dwelled there. Um, he named the city after his son with no mention of God, no, you know, anything like that. And then the generations of Cain go forward, and we get to this man named Lamech. And Lamech is going to be the most wicked man that ever lived up until this point, up until this time. Uh, the first thing you see, the first mention of him in this genealogy that we're looking at right now, is that he was the first man that defies God's pattern of marriage. Uh, he is the first man that took two wives. It says, And Lamech, verse 19, took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. And then uh, Adah, this one wife, bore Jabal, and he was the father of... We'll, we'll read that in a minute. That, that's going into another thing. But understand that this was not God's pattern for marriage. It did become the norm in society. You're going to see it as we go through the Old Testament. You're going to see all these different people having more than one wife. Even people like uh, David and, and Abraham is going to take his servant lady. You know, and all you're going to see this, but it's never blessed by God. And more often than not, it brings 
it brings consequences. It brings consequences. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew 19, he says, Have you not read that it was this way from the beginning, that a man would leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two, not the three, not the five, not the six, the two would become one flesh. He'd leave his father and mother, not his father and mother's, but his father and mother, and the two would become one flesh. So Jesus demonstrates that from the creation, it was always the pattern. One man, one woman. And so what you see is, number one, Cain defying God's judgment upon him, not becoming a wanderer, refusing to do what God had commanded him to do, refusing to, to accept the judgment that God had placed upon him. And then you have Lamech in the line of Cain. Remember, Cain's still alive, probably, at this time that Lamech is alive. Um, Lamech um, defies God's pattern of marriage. And then you have some more uh, Lamech's three children. What we're going to see in these three children is the, the line of Cain is going to advance culture in order to, in order to stave off the effect of the fall. Okay, You're going to see this in parallel with the line of Seth, who basically just trust in God. It's going to say men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. They begin to uh, you know, uh, have saving fellowship with God. Uh, they walk with God. We're going to see that mentioned two or three times. Uh, but in contrast to that, the line of Cain here, they're going to do all they can independently of God by trying to make life better. Because remember, the curse is still real. They're still toiling. They're still by the sweat of their brow. There's still sorrow and all those things are going on. So what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to advance culture in order to make life easier. Make sense? Mm -hmm. And you're going to see that three things. you got, um, where am I at? Twenty. And Adah, this is one of Lamech's wives, bore Jabal. And he was the father of such that dwell in tents and such as have cattle. What you see here is um, it's not just being a shepherd. Abel was a shepherd. This is the cultural advancement of the industry of cattle. It's not just the word here used for cattle is not the same. The word used in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 4 about Abel is one that talks about little sheep and goats and, and those kind of things, being a shepherd, those things. This word is more general, and it means like cattle. It can even, it's even used in the Old Testament for things like donkeys and camels and stuff like that. And so what you see here is not just, this is not just a guy trying to feed his family um, and raising some cattle so he can have something to eat. This is the advancement of culture where you have, you have the industry of cattle and you have the industry of herding and probably transportation with camels and donkeys and, and teaching the cattle how to, how to you know, uh, pull a plow and, and, and make it easier to toil, make it easier to till the ground so there's not much toil and not as much sweat, not as much labor and sorrow as, as God has promised that there would be in the, uh, in the fall. They, were, they, they developed the uh, domestication of these animals and, of course, the slaughter and the eating of these animals and all those kind of things. And it's not necessarily, you need to hear this, this, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we have advances in culture. But what you're seeing here as he as he parallels the line of Cain and the line of Seth is these people are trying to better their lives, better themselves 
in their own strength, in their own power, independent from God. You're going to see that in, in Lamech's uh, little poem here in just a moment. And the line of Seth is refusing to do anything but trust in God. It doesn't mean that Seth's line didn't have cattle herding and all those kind of things. When culture advances, everything advances. So more, you know, you're going to see cities built, you know, and godly people living in cities as we go through Genesis. You're going to see all that. But the point that he's making is that because of the fall, this one line that did not, is characterized by the seed of the serpent, did not trust in God. They're doing it on their own. They're doing it in their own strength and they're doing it in order to stave off the effects of the curse. The other side, Seth's line, they are calling upon the name of the Lord. They're trusting in God. They're believing in the promise that the curse is going to be abated. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. With me? Any questions? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got Jabal. He is herding and cattle and all those kind of things. You got Jubal and all these names kind of uh, rhyme. Verse 21, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. He's the father of music. Any civilization. What does music bring to civilization? By no? Entertainment. Huh? Entertainment. Just makes life better. Lets you express the sorrow of life, it lets you have the enjoyment, you know, a joyful song brings enjoyment to the heart, you know, it's the staple of civilization. Uh, in fact, uh, it's possible, this is not proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it's possible that Jubal is where they get the word Jubilee, you know, like the year of Jubilee and the rejoicing and all that kind of stuff. It's possible. That's not a, that's not a concrete fact, but it's something that people are speculating and looking into studying those kind of things. And so you got herding and cattle and transportation and all that kind of stuff, plowing with the animals. You got Jubal, has, he's bringing forth music, the father of those who play the harp and all those things. And then you got Tubal Cain is a metal worker. Verse 22. And Zillah, this is the other wife of Lamech, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. He's making instruments of brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. You pronounce both A's. Naamah. Uh, so, uh, why, first of all, Cain is the one that got us into all this trouble. If you're in the line of Cain, you're probably thinking, you know, Cain was cursed by God. Sent out of the, why would you name your kid after Cain? Any guesses? He just... Lamech was a bad dude. He's a bad, bad dude. We're going to see that in a moment. But Lamech was, he was independent of God. He was rebellious of God. And you see that throughout the line of those who follow Cain. Even in the New Testament, go to 1 John, and John talks about Cain who was of the evil one, seed of the serpent, and, and all those kind of things. And so he he's a metal worker. He works with brass and iron. What can you do? You can make weapons. You can make tools, instruments. You know, the cow. The cattle is pulling the plow. You make the plow out of metal. Then all of a sudden, not that much toil anymore. Not that much heartache. Not that much. I mean, it's still harder than driving a tractor. But you know what I mean. They were making their lives easier by cultural advancement. But do you think that Cain, you know, in his own line, you know, explained to this, these, you know, this family here that, you know, well, I went against God and killed my brother, you know. Oh, I'm I'm sure it was known. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it was known. So you think you think because uh, just not to interrupt, but yeah. Lamech is going to make reference to it here in a moment. Oh, okay. okay. 
So he's going to make reference to the fact that Cain killed his brother and God promised to bring re- uh, judgment sevenfold on anybody who touches Cain. And then when they seven, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, yeah, it was well known and it was known. And I think that was, um, I don't want to use that kind of language, but I think that was characteristic of their family, of their line. Independence from God. We don't need God. We can do now. I'm thinking all this is from my brain here. I, you know, this is just what I say in the text. So we can we can talk about it, and you may disagree, and that'd be fine. We can we can talk back and forth. But what I see is is uh, yeah, I, we don't need God. We can we can make our lives better ourselves. We can we can push back against the curse that that Adam and Eve brought us into by just. Making things better. We don't have to turn to God. We don't have to call upon His name. We don't have to do anything. Let's make some plows. Let's get, let's train the cattle here to help pull the plow, and then we can till the ground, and it'll be easier and not not much sorrow, not enough, not you know toil and all those things. Uh, and so this is what we see. And what we're going to see. The reason I see that here is because when we look at the line of Seth, you're not going to see any of that. All you're going to see, you notice he says so-and-so begets so-and-so, so-and-so begets so-and-so. And there are only two or three names where something else is mentioned. Like he was the father of music. He was the father of whatever. And everybody else's just name is mentioned. The same thing is going to be shown in the line of Seth. But every time something other than the name is mentioned, it's going to be, and men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And he walked with God and he was no more. And Noah's name Noah because he's going to save us from the curse. And every time something else is mentioned other than a name, just a name, and he begot so-and-so, and he lives you know, 900 years and that was it. Every time something's mentioned in the line of Seth, it always has to do with faith in God. Always. And here in the line of Cain, every time something's mentioned, it always has to do with making life easier. Making life easier and advancing culture so everything works better and it's easier for us, independent of God. And there was an evil Lamech and then there was a godly Lamech. There was an evil Lamech and a godly Lamech. There was an evil Enoch and a godly Enoch. And remember, you're going to need, we're going to talk about this in a moment. Lamech, we're gonna. He's he's gonna go back, and he's just giving you Lamech's children, and they're the father of these cultural advances. So now he's gonna go back to Lamech, and Lamech is going to show us a picture of the fact that the heart of man is growing increasingly wicked. It's worse now than it ever was before. It's worse than Cain's. It's worse than Adam's. It's growing more and more wicked. Lamech, verse twenty-three. This little poem that Lamech gives. Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. It's a little proud, isn't he? He says, Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding. What it means is, it says, I have slain a man that has wounded me. I have slain a man that has hurt me. And man, I just lost my place. And a young man to my hurt. So he's he's talking about killing a a young man, like a young person. It's not a different man than he just mentioned. It's called Hebrew parallelism. That's how poetry works in Hebrew. You can see it all through the Psalms. If I'm going to write a poem, I'm going to write a line, and the last word in the line is going to rhyme with the last word in the in the. That's not how Hebrew poetry was. They repeated their 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 lines, but they would do it with different words. Like the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my strength. 
The Lord is my rock and my safe place. That's Hebrew poetry. They repeat the lines. And so he's saying, I killed a man who wounded me, a young man who hurt me. It's almost like it's poetry, poetic. And he says, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Now, understand there's two things you need to see here. Lamech is worse than everybody else that's come before. Adam, when he, when he sinned, he kind of shifted blame, didn't he? Like, this woman you gave me, I mean, it's her fault. But eventually, he confessed. He said, she gave to me and I ate. Cain, when, he, uh, when God said, what have you done? What did Cain do? He just lied. He I ain't doing nothing. Not me. But now Lamech here, he's boasting. About, yeah, I murdered him. You darn right I murdered him. Everybody listen up. I have killed somebody because he, he wounded me. So he's boasting where Cain and Adam were. Cain lied and Adam was, you know, Adam finally confessed. And then when the judgment, of course, you know, justice is going to come. What did Adam do? Adam accepted his punishment. You know, he named his wife Eve. They departed from the garden. What did Cain do? He complained about his punishment. Well, that's not fair. Not fair that I have to deal. What did Lamech do? Ain't nobody going to punish me. Now, you can take this one or two ways. You could say, if God protected Cain sevenfold, then he owes me 77-fold for my protection. Or you could take it to mean Lamech saying, you know, I'm, the ma- I'm so bad. That if anybody messes with me, I'm going to return it 77-fold on them. You know, you think Cain was, you think Cain's revenge for uh, taking vengeance upon him was bad? You mess with Lamech and see what happens. You know, and he's pronouncing this to his wives like he's, you know, you know how we do. Come on, guys. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm the man. I'm the man. So he's boasting. He's boasting, and he's defying justice. There won't no justice come to me. I'm Lamech. I'll do what I want to do. I killed a man, and if anybody tries to come against me and tries to get revenge, I'm going to take it out of your hide 77-fold. You know, it's kind of what is going on. So what do you see in Lamech's heart? Not only are they defying God in, in uh, not turning to him, but turning to worldly things to try to ease the curse, but their heart, his heart is so, it, it's so much harder than Cain's was, so much harder than Adam's was. It is turning, it's basically turning to, instead of shameful and guilt over sin, instead of uh, understanding justice, he's like, I don't care. I'll do what I want to do, and I don't care who you are. Lamech is the seventh son of Cain. That's going to be important in just a minute. He's the seventh son. And so what you see here is the line of Cain is showing us the descent of humanity into sin and the curse. And how their hearts are becoming more and more wicked. And their actions are becoming more and more wicked. And it's just evil. And, and, and to the point where he, he's just, you know, I, I'll do what I want. And I don't care. I'll kill who I want. And nobody's going to punish me. God's not going to judge me. I, I, I don't care. He has done God. He's, the humanity has gotten to this point. And now the scene is going to shift. And he's going to bring us the line of Seth. And he's going to show us the difference between the line of Cain and the line of Seth. In verse um, 25, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, 
had appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. He, we are told specifically that Seth is the replacement for Abel. He, what that means is, now they had other sons and daughters. It's possible, very possible, even probable, that they had sons and daughters in between Cain and Seth. But the point of bringing Seth's name into the picture here is to show that Seth is now the line through which the seed of the woman will come. The one that will uh, crush the serpent's head. The one that's promised the Messiah. He is now the line through which this wo- this uh, promised one would come. And that's why his name is mentioned. That's why his name is uh, is go spoken as a replacement for Abel. It wasn't that they didn't have any more sons. It was that this is the son, the promised son, the the seed. And it says, And to Seth, and to Seth, to him was also born a son. His name was Enos, or Enosh. The the S in Hebrew there is an S-H sound, Enosh. And then he began, then began men to call upon the name of, of the Lord. Do you see a parallel in the genealogies? Remember, Cain had a son. His name was Enoch. What did Cain do? He built a city, and then what did he do? He named the city Enoch after his son. Seth had a son. He named him Enos, which means it's related to the word that means feeble or weak. Why would you name your son feeble or weak? I mean, it's related to that word, feeble or weak. It sounds like that's how these early Genesis names function because he understood mankind is feeble and weak and it was then Cain named the city after his son Seth people began to call upon the name of the Lord you see the difference one line independent rebellious I'm going to do what I want I'm going to I'm going to make life better by the sweat of my brow, by pulling up my bootstraps. The other line, we are weak and feeble. There's nothing we can do. We can only turn to the Lord. We can only call upon God's name in faith and trust in Him. See the difference? And so, man began to call upon the name of the Lord. As we go into chapter 6 next week, that's going to be important. These men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. doesn't mean men, but you know what I mean, humankind. This line began to call upon the name of the Lord. And then chapter 5, all of chapter 5, I'm not going to spend much time going through it. There's just a few things that you need to know, and then we can discuss whatever you'd like to discuss. Um, men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, there are just a few texts in chapter 5. It, it talks about the line of Seth. Uh, the, it says, this is the book of generations of Adam and the day God created them, likeness of God. He made them male and female. He created them, blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they created him. Adam lived 130 years and begot a son, his own likeness, his own image, and he called him Seth. The day, and then it goes on and on. The days of Adam were this many. He had lots of sons and daughters, and he died. And then the next guy, you know, Seth had daughter, da, 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 lots of sons and daughters, and he died. And he goes on and on and on. But in this chapter, there are there are a couple of things that I'm going to bring your attention to. Two things in particular. Number one is, in Seth's line, you see hope. You see hope that things are not, they're, they're not, um, they're not uh, beyond redemption. Does that make sense? They're not beyond redemption. The first thing that you see, first time you see it, uh, of course, it, it goes on and on about Seth's descendants, and they lived this long, and they died, and all these things. But there's one that you probably heard lots of sermons about. His name's Enoch. He is the seventh son of Seth. You remember the seventh son of Cain was Lamech. And who was he? He was a bad dude. Bad dude. Prideful. Murderer. 
didn't care about God's justice. You're going to see the seventh son of Seth's line. His name, his name is Enoch in verse 22. It says, or see verse 18. And Jared lived 160 and two years. He begot Enoch. Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Jared were 960, whatever, whatever. And then Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now, this is the only text in chapter 5 in the line of Seth where it doesn't end with, and he died. Every other, every other person in this chapter, Methuselah did so-and-so, lived this many years, beget sons and daughters, and he died. Uh, Jared did these things, get sons and daughters, and he died. Over and over and over and over again, and he died, and he died, and he died. And they all lived seven, eight, nine hundred years, and relatively, you know, Enoch was a relative youngster at 300 and something years. He was kind of a, he was a youngster, and it says he walked with God. And he says, and he didn't die, he says, and he was no more, for God took him. Now, there is a distinction because you can tell when you're writing, if you're writing something, you know, Moses is writing this. He knows, I mean, he can see the pattern and he died and he died and he died and he died and he was no more for God took him. I mean, there's a distinction in that. And the walking with God is it's reminiscent of the relationship that Adam had. Remember, mm -hmm. it's that Adam walked with God, the cool of the day. Yeah. He walked with God. So he's talking about being the seventh son of seventh son of Seth is in parallel, in contrast to the seventh son of Cain, which was Lamech, who pride, independence, murder, defied the justice of God, defied. And then you have Enoch where it says he walked with God and he didn't die. He was taken. And Hebrews, if just flip over real quick. We're almost done. Just a few more minutes. Hebrews 11. Chapter 11, verse 5, I'll just read it to you. 5 and 6, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then that's verse 6 is next, the one we know all so well. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what we're talking about here when we say and he walked with God is what? Faith. The writer of Hebrews explains it to us that it's his faith in God. He walked with God and he was taken. So what you see here is that there's hope. In the line of Seth, there's hope that death is not the final answer. You know, and he died, and he died, and he died is what we see in chapter 5. But death is not the final answer because God has given a ray of hope in the seventh son of, of Seth just as we see the, the evil and wickedness in the seventh son of Cain. And the other thing is the, the, is the Noah. Um, Methuselah was Noah's granddaddy. And in verse, uh, verse 28 and 29 of chapter 5, this is where we're in, it says... 
This is Lamech. It says, verse 28, Lamech. This is not the same Lamech. This is the, the Lamech on the side of Seth. Lamech lived 100, uh, 180 and two years, and he begot a son. And he called his son Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. Now, what was this line of Cain doing to relieve themselves of the toil of their hands because the ground was cursed? They were building stuff with their own hands, with their own might, with their own independence from God. And you see in the line of Seth, they were calling upon the name of the Lord. They were walking with God, which Hebrews tells us is faith in God. And Noah in chapter uh, chapter 6, also Noah is going to be one that is said to walk with God. And so uh, this good Lamech here in Seth, he believes Noah, names him Noah, believes that Noah is going to relieve the effects of the curse. He sees the promise. Don't you see that? Remember the promise God promised at the very cursing of the serpent and the woman? He promised what? A seed seed would come that would crush the serpent's head. He'd put enmity. And we know that seed is the Messiah that would eventually come from this line. And Lamech sees this line. He sees this promise in his son Noah. He says, Noah is going to be one that relieves us from this curse of the ground. Now, was Noah the ultimate promised seed? No. No, but he pointed to the seed. And how did he do that? We're going to see that as we go into 6, 7, 8, chapter 9. He was faithful. He was a preacher of righteousness. Second Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness, that he trusted God. You know, he built the ark. You know the whole story. We're going to go through all those kind of things. And... Technically, if you want to get down to it, humanity was saved through Noah because he and his family were the only ones that survived the judgment of the flood. And we're going to see, we've seen that in, we saw Adam sin, we saw Cain's heart growing harder. He not only sinned, but he denied the sin and he complained about the punishment of sin. Now we see Lamech here in Cain's line. Not He's not denying or complaining. He's out and out proud saying, I don't care. I know, justice is not going to come to me. You see the descent of man's heart into wickedness, the, 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 the rise and increase of sin on the face of the earth. But in the midst of this, you have the promise of God being fulfilled in the line of Seth. That there are men that walk with God. There are people who walk with God, that trust in God. There will always be a seed, a remnant. There will always be those who trust in Him. Uh, humanity is, say, is going to be saved through Noah. It's going to be saved by God through Noah, through the flood. And that flood, the ark, is going to point toward the Savior that is the true seed. Any questions, comments, mm-hmm. cries of outrage? Huh? I have a question. Okay. Since Enoch didn't die, God took him. I know where this is going. God took Elijah and yes. he didn't die. That's right. Do you think, I'm just asking your opinion. Okay. Are those the two witnesses in the book of Revelation?